Hello, and welcome to this podcast. In case this is the first one that you're listening to, I'm going to give a short introduction. I'm Cindy Pierce, and over a year ago, I started a home Bible study about the women of the Bible. Each week was about one or possibly two women. I would read her story out of the Bible, interject some thoughts and facts about the story, and then after the reading, I would recap the story, talk about the woman and some of her characteristics and how it could apply to us today. I really enjoyed doing the teachings, and I was so excited about them that soon other women that I worked with wanted to participate. Before I knew it, I had not only the home Bible study, but I was also doing three different lunchtime Bible studies at different offices. So at the encouragement of some of those groups, I'm going to put these lessons on this podcast. I'm using the same format I used in the studies. I'll read the story straight out of the Bible with some thoughts. I use the New American Standard because that's what I grew up reading. Then I will recap and talk a little bit about the story, and at the very end, I just give a reminder from the lesson on something that we can praise God for, something to thank God for, something for us to confess, and something to ask from God. One of the things I loved about this process is that God's Word says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So I believe that as you listen or study along with me, that God will speak to your heart, and I hope you will enjoy this as much as I have. This is the seventh podcast. If you've missed any of the first, they're on Spotify, and you can start with Eve, and we've also done Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel and Leah were together, Tamar, and then Deborah and Jael were together, and now this is the story of Ruth. So we are going to start in the book of Ruth in the first chapter. Um, this is the period of time of the judges, and the last podcast that we did was about Deborah, and she was one of the judges of Israel. It was before Israel had a king, and they were hard times. When Israel was disobedient, there were times of persecution and famine. Jewish tradition says that Samuel may have written Judges and Ruth, um, possibly to teach a lesson in loving kindness, to teach about including outsiders, and to show that common people could do the right thing. It is an important book because God, uh, we see God through the eyes of a woman, Naomi. Um, it's kind of compared to Job, um, but from a female perspective, because she lost everything in her livelihood and became poor and widowed, and God's gift to her in that was, was Ruth, and also because Ruth embodied loyal love. So we're going to start in the book of Ruth in the first chapter, uh, verse 1, and I'm going to just read. It came about in the day when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Melon and Shilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Verse 5. Both Malon and Chilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people, giving them food. 
So in verse 7, she departed from the place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So pretty much she was freeing them to go and find a husband among their own people. She was saying, you've dealt um, well with me. Go and now find uh, a husband in your own land with your own people, and that God will grant you rest. In verse 10, they said to her, no, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, return, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should bear, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. So in these verses, she's explaining why they should go remarry, that if they stay with her, she would have to remarry, find a husband. She thinks she's too old to do that. And even if she had more children at this point, if they waited for those children to grow up, then, you know, they would be old too. So she's practically um, gone through the whole thing of why they need to stay and find a husband and remarry in their own land. In verse 14, they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. In verse 16, Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. So these verses um, just speak loyalty and are used, have been used in weddings, even though this is actually from Ruth to Naomi. Um, those, those words have been used um, before because it just speaks of, I'm going to stay with you to the end. And notice too in verse 17 that she speaks of the Lord doing something to her. So she has lived in this family long enough now to... We don't know that she um, has a relationship necessarily with the Lord, but she's definitely learned something about the Lord because she um, is speaking about him and, and what he would do um, watching over this loyalty. So in verse 18, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Um, and the, another word for determined there is fixed. Like she was steadfastly minded, not turning back. Um, so they both went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came about when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Um, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So the, the name Naomi meant pleasant, and she came back saying, Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, and the word Mara meant bitter. Because she said that God had dealt bitterly with her. In 21, she says, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? 
So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the very beginning of the barley harvest. So she's saying how bitter she is, and the Lord's taken everything from her. But in reality, she has Ruth with her. And what a gift Ruth turns out to be in the story. So in chapter 2 now, they're back in Bethlehem, and it says, now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Um, so a couple things here. One, Boaz, who was um, part of her husband's family, was the son of Rahab, who we've studied before, and um, Salmon. So he is part of her family line, and he lives here, and he has great wealth. And secondly, that word kinsman, um, it comes from a, root, a word that means redeemer, kinsman redeemer is sometimes what that's called. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means as we go through this chapter. And Ruth Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. So um, in verse three, she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. So that's interesting that it says she just happened because obviously she was led here. But let's talk about the gleaning just a little bit. So in Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, which were um, part of the laws that Moses had written down, it says, Now when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field. Neither shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So in Leviticus, and then again in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22, it says, When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, do not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And when you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I'm commanding you to do this thing. So in at least two different places, it talks about these people that followed behind the gleaners that were harvesting and that they were to have food <clears throat> left for them so that they would have something that they could live off of. And um, that's interesting because it ties into, as God said there, the alien and the widow and the orphans, that he has a special place in his heart for that, both in Jeremiah twenty-two sixteen and in James 1, 27 which is the New Testament after Jesus came, he mentions the widows and the orphans and taking care of those people. So um, those, that was important to God. And here she is in a field behind these reapers. So um, also where we mentioned in verse 3 that she happened to come to that portion of the field, she had favor and direction here, and she is now in a field that belongs to family members. So in verse 4, Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. So Boaz is also a man who knows the Lord. 
And in five, he says, he says to a servant, whose young woman is this? And the servant in charge of the reapers answered and said, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from morning until now, and she has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter, do not go to glean in any other field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I've commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? So she thinks of herself as being an alien in this land as being a foreigner. And she um, is amazed at his kindness to her. In verse 11, Boaz answered and said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. And then in verse 12, he speaks a blessing over her. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. I just think this is so beautiful because... This is a, his knowledge of God, and that's actually um, part of the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy uh, 32, 10, and 11. He obviously um, knows the Lord and, and knows something about um, the words that God has said, and he's speaking this blessing over her for her faithfulness to Naomi. So um, in Deuteronomy 32, 10, and 11, it says, um, this is part of the Song of Moses after they had um, defeated the Egyptian army or after uh, God had drowned them in the Red Sea. He says, He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled him and cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest that hovers over its youngs, he spread his wings and caught them and carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them and there was no foreign God with him. So this kind of um, reference of the wings to seek refuge um, alludes back to that part of it, of what Moses had said. So in verse 13, she says back, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. And also you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles, and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, and that is about 30 to 50 pounds. So she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her, Daughter-in-law, may he be blessed of the Lord, who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. 
Um, and again, the word for that closest relative or kinsman is also the word redeemer. So um, she returned and, and prayed that God would bless him for his kindness. In verse 21, Ruth the Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they finished all of my harvest. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, lest others fall upon you in another field. So um, they're also concerned about the dangers of strangers and having an you know, her being from another country and, and being in these fields. And so he is offering protection to her as well. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So um, in chapter three, we're going to just keep going. Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? And now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maid you were. Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. So um, she's now Naomi's thinking about her future. And she knows that she's a woman from a different country here in Israel now. And she's thinking about how she can help her with her future. So in verse 3, she tells her, Wash yourself, therefore, anoint yourself, put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. So he, she's basically telling, telling her, get ready, get fixed up, put your nice clothes on, go down there. And then in four, uh, chapter 3, verse 4, she says, It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. And she said to her, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. Spread your covering over your maid, for you are our close relative. And he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first, by not going after young women, young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. So um, what Naomi had her do um, was basically say, um, I'm interested in you. And when he woke up and found her there, instead of being, he, obviously this was some sort of custom or something that, happened in this because instead of being startled or um, like what in the world is going on, he spoke to her and um, and said that he thought that she was being kind by seeking after him instead of someone younger. And so um, verse 11 is very interesting because he says, um, all the people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. And I, I love that verse because it speaks of her reputation, even though he, she had come from another place and people didn't really know her. What they did know was that she had been kind, she had been loyal, that um, she had a good reputation. She, was, she came back, she worked hard, and she was trying to take care of her mother-in-law, even through her work and, and what she was able to make. Um, so the fact that, that he says woman of excellence there is just really neat. So um, he accepts her and wants to protect her reputation because watch what he does next in verse 12. 
And now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I, which I think is interesting because I think that means that he already he had already checked on that. Um, remain this night when morning comes. If he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. So he was protecting her reputation as well. And he um, sent her on his way. Um, again, he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went to the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And in verse 18, she said, then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. So Naomi knows now that he um, is going to quickly finish the matter and settle it and take care of it. Um, because he protected her reputation, he gave her the barley to go with her back to her mother-in-law, and so he, she knows that he's going to um, take care of the situation. So, in chapter 4, this is um, interesting, just in the customs of the city and how this works out, but in 4 verse 1, oh, let me mention one thing about the other. Um, in verse 13, it says several times about redeeming you. If he redeems you, good. Otherwise, I will redeem you. If he does not wish to, then I will redeem you. I just want to say right here that I love the word redeem because we think of Jesus. We use the word redeemer as um, as we talk about Jesus and that he redeemed us as well. And so um, that word redeem, I think of often as if you think about uh, redeeming a coupon, for instance, and, you know, that piece of paper, that little, well, it used to be paper. Now it's on our iPhones and cell phones. But if you had that piece of paper, you would see at the bottom printed on the back that the piece of paper itself is worth like one one hundred thousandths of a cent. It's not worth anything. It's hardly worth the paper that it's, it's on. But when you take that to whatever store or place that you need to take it to and you redeem the coupon, it's turned back in and it becomes worth something. And so I love that picture of the word redeem, both for Ruth in this case, because as a foreigner and a widow, she is she and Naomi both, and Naomi even and more so because she's older, she is like the lowest of the low, like orphans, widows, aliens were the lowest, and she's two of those. So um, she, he, when he uses that word redeem, he literally means to give value to her. So I love that picture, and I love that picture as it carries forward into our lives, and that Jesus is our Redeemer and redeems us and makes something of value of our lives as well. So that just seemed like the place to mention that since we said the word redeem several times. Okay, back to chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, Turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Um, this is sort of like holding court at the city gates. He's calling men that are reputable, that are elders of the city, and he's asking them to sit down and listen to the case that he's going to present. So he says, 
He, came, he said to the closest relative of Naomi, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. And the closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I jeopardize mine own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom. Okay, so let me mention there in verse um, 5 through 6, where they're talking about um, the land. He, he mentioned the land first, and then he brought up this part of the law. And this custom in the law was known very well. This was also part of the um, Levitical law, where, which we studied in Tamar as well, where if someone in the family um, died, then the next of kin, the next um, son down, was supposed to marry that woman. And the first child would then take the place of the oldest child and, and would get the inheritance. So this conversation in verse 6, where he says he cannot redeem it lest he jeopardize his own inheritance, he may have had wife and children already, but he knew that if he had a child with this woman, that that child would get the inheritance of the land. So this is this was common, and there's several places that we could turn to in Leviticus. I talked more about this when we studied Tamar as well, um, but this was part of their custom. So he's saying, you know what? I'm giving up the land. I don't want to jeopardize my inheritance. You can have it. So he's passing it back over to Boaz for Boaz to have. So in verse 7, he says, Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. And I kind of get tickled at this because I think if somebody makes a lot of deals, then they probably have a lot of single shoes in their closet. Um, I don't really know what happens to the other one or, or if they have to keep these or what happens, but that's kind of um, a funny picture right there, I think. So in verse 9, Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased may not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of this birthplace. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel, and may you achieve wealth and in Ephrath and become famous in Bethlehem. So I referred to this verse when we talked about Rachel and Leah because I love how these stories tie together and these women in the Old Testament tie together. So the blessing that the people gave to him was that Ruth would become like Rachel and Leah, whose children built the house of Israel. And in verse 12, they say, Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. 
through the offspring which the Lord shall give you by this young woman. So again, they mentioned Tamar um, and her story. You can go back and listen to the podcast too before this. Um, is very interesting as well and how God directed this bloodline through which Jesus was going to come to continue. So um, verse 13 says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord, who has not left you without a Redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. So this um, kind of reminds me of the, a verse in Joel, Joel 2, 25, um, where it says, I will, this is the Lord speaking, I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locusts, the great army which I sent among you. So in the book of Joel, he says, I'll make up to you those years. And in this blessing that they're speaking over Naomi, they're saying, may he restore your life and sustain you in your old age. And reminding her what a blessing and a gift her daughter-in-law has been. In verse 16, it says, Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed, and he is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. That's King David. Now there, these are the generations of Perez. To Perez, and Perez was um, where Perez's mother was Tamar, which is where we started with that um, story. To him was born Hezron. To Hezron was born Ram. To Ram, a um, Aminadab, and to Aminadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon Solomon, and to Solomon was born Boaz, this Boaz that we read in the story, to Boaz Obed, to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse David. So one of the other cool things in this, and I have um, actually notes written in my margin here that Perez's mother was Tamar, Boaz's mother was Rahab from Jericho, and Boaz's wife was Ruth from Moab. So one of the things that I like to bring up in these stories is that God can use anyone, and he chooses to. And I think part of the story um, here for us is both the story of redemption, that he can make all things valuable, and also in the stories of these women, I love that it ties into the genealogy of Jesus. So if we switch to Matthew 1.5, and look here, it repeats the same genealogy that we just read here. It says in Matthew 1, um, verse 1, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. To Abraham was born Isaac, to Isaac Jacob, to Jacob Judah and his brothers. And to Judah was born Perez and Zerah by Tamar. To Perez was born Hezron and to Hezron Ram. To Ram was born Aminadab, and Aminadab Nashon, Nashon Salmon, and in verse 5. To Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab, and to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth, and to Obed Jesse, and to Jesse was born David the king. So here in this first part, we have listed, in fact, if we continued reading this genealogy, there are four women listed. One of them is Tamar, who we've always already talked about in a previous podcast. One is Rahab, who we've already talked about in a previous podcast. Um, podcast. And then this one is Ruth, who wasn't even 
from the family of the Israelites. She was from Moab. And so God was able to use these women, and he meant, they're mentioned in Matthew in the genealogy of Jesus. So I just love that he redeemed their stories and was able to use them. So a couple of things about this story. Um, obedience in everyday life pleases God. Ruth's sacrifice and hard work to provide for Naomi reflected God's love. Boaz's loyalty to his kinsmen, to his family members, reflects God's faithfulness. And Naomi's plan for Ruth's future reflects selfless love on her part. God responds to his people's cry. He cares for the outcasts, and he took care of this family of two women as they moved back from Moab to Bethlehem. Um, Ruth, the book as a whole, the book of Ruth, called people back to a greater responsibility and faithfulness before God, even in difficult times. And it still applies. We belong to a loving, faithful God, and we are called to respond. One thing that I think is interesting about the name of the book, Ruth, and about her, is the name Ruth actually means female companion or friend, and she proved to be that to Naomi. So how this applies to us, I think that this is a story of God being at work, divinely orchestrating events to bring about purpose in your life. So it's easy to get frustrated and down about things that happen in our lives as they're happening, and yet we have to trust God that he is directing our paths and that he is moving, working behind the scenes and putting things into play to bring about what his purpose for your life is. And also just the promises. Ruth's promise um, to her mother-in-law became a blessing in her life, Ruth's life, and in Naomi's life, where she said at the beginning, your God will be my God and your people will be my people, how that was multiplied to her. And she ended up um, as the wife to uh, Boaz and as part of the lineage of Jesus. So um, at the end, we always go back to something out of the story that we can praise God for. And um, we can just praise him that he provides for those who have no one else to provide for. So in this story, as we looked in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and then in Ruth, he made a way to provide for people that really didn't have a way to provide for themselves. And he led her to this field. Um, and then we can give thanks that God created and uses women. I love, one of the things that I just love about these stories and studying the women in the Bible is that um, God loved them and God included them in his word to give us hope, direction, um, and again, teaching um, that his word is profitable for, for teaching in our lives. Um, something to confess, that we have a tendency to compete with other women and that we shouldn't um, because God has made us all to be sisters in Christ and that we should be cheering one another on, that we, should, we, are, we are here to encourage one another and to lift one another up and not to compete. We should be happy for each other and helping each other along the way. And then lastly, ask um, something to ask of God and to ask him to help us to appreciate one another and our gifts and the things that he uses us for. Um, so that is the end of the story of Ruth. Um, I, again, just mentioning at the end about the kinsman redeemer because that is a type of, of Jesus. And as I mentioned earlier in that, um, that word actually is the word uh, G-A-A-L. And it means one who delivers or rescues to redeem 
um, property or people. And so um, I just love also that that is a type of Christ and that he redeemed us and that he looks at our life. And however, um, we may look at it and feel that it's invaluable and not worth anything, but uh, Jesus redeems us and he makes us valuable in his eyes and to be used um, in other people's lives. So thank you for listening. Um, and hopefully we'll have another future podcast that you can come back and listen to um, after this one. Thank you.